Welcome to Now Playing's Tremors Retrospective Series, hosted by Arnie. And remember, life and survival starts here. Hello, Now Playing listeners. This is Arnie. Happy to bring you a bonus episode of our Tremors Retrospective Series. We have joining us today the star of every Tremors movie and the TV show, Burt Gummer himself, Michael Gross. Hello there. Hello, sir. How are you today? Good. I'm good. Thank you very much. Whoa, you've got a graboid behind you. Yeah, I thought it'd be appropriate for the occasion. Very good, Arnie. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thank you for taking some time out of your schedule to talk to us a bit about Tremors. Well, I enjoy Bert, and so uh, I never get tired of talking talking about him. So I want to start with the topic that's on everybody's mind these days. Nobody's not talking about the presidential election. And I'm so happy to see Burt Gummer has thrown his hat into the ring as an independent third candidate. We uh, thought it was about time. This, this country's being so badly run, we thought we needed somebody with some real expertise for it. What do you think uh, his greatest achievement would be in his first term? Uh, getting out of everybody's way. Uh, honest to God, <laughs> just letting... Um, I have a series of uh, policy proposals which will be presented every week, uh, right, right up till election. Actually, there are eight of them, so we may even go past election day. I might, if one of these other idiots wins, I might not concede. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying right now. I'm, I, I think it's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court, and I think Amy Coney Barrett loves my backside. There you go. I mean, it's only a question of time before she she goes, I'm going with Gummer. Um, so um, I will just say that uh, this was something we dreamed up uh, at the end of our filming of, 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 of Tremor 7, Shrieker Island. And we said, why don't we do something crazy? I don't know. I think it was me, but it could have been somebody else who said, hey, this is an election year. And for years, fans have been saying, hey, Burt Gummer for president. I was like, it's a natural. It's a natural. <laughs> so um, I proceeded to begin writing these things. We have eight of them. And so um, uh, three of which have aired. The third one came out today. There have been three consecutive Wednesdays and um, on YouTube. And uh, we're having a, just a great response. I mean, who wouldn't respond to a president who said you could have your own submarine or howitzer, you know, <laughs> who's going to give you a, a, a guided missile for your backyard. I liked that he wanted the safety precautions, though. You had to be able to dismantle the World War II gun. Yes, yes, the, uh, the, uh, the, the marine fl flamethrower, right. But uh, obviously, it's been a lot of fun. We, I started, I, write, I wrote six of the eight. We just started writing them, and they were too long, and we brought them down to no more than about two and a half minutes a piece. So maybe three at the most. And some, somebody else, a wonderful uh, young man wrote two more. And then I wound up polishing those. So uh, it's just our warped sense of humor saying, let's have a little fun. Nobody's trying to spoil a real uh, presidential race. We're just having, having ourselves a good time with uh, a comic version of who we think could best, best uh, run America. All right. So to some more serious questions, you know, it's been 
30 years since the first Tremors, which you'd filmed a year before its release even. So 31 years ago, you put on a pair of sunglasses, picked up a gun, and Burt Gummer was born. So in that, and when you did that, you were primarily known as the father from Family Ties. That was the great, that was the great blessing of Tremors, you know, because it was within a week of being at the Family Ties rap party, I was on the set of Tremors 1. So these days, when you encounter fans, are they asking more about family ties or more about tremors? Well, first of all, I've grown so elderly, they hardly recognize me anyway. (laughs) When I don't have the mustache, I'm rarely uh, recognized as Burt Gummer. Of some might. Uh, When I don't, uh, Stephen Keaton, as you might recall, on Family Ties had a beard. Mm -hmm. And so I can easily escape both characters on the street because I don't, when I don't have a beard and don't have a mustache. Um, uh, so it's, but I would say it's about, I would say it's probably about, um, about 50-50. You know, the people who, uh, the people who will not recognize me, who will recognize me as, as, as from uh, Family Ties and about 50% who would say, who would say Tremors. Um, but most people just go, that guy looks a lot like Michael Gross, but what would he be doing here? You know, why would he be in my neighborhood? Why would he be on this bus or whatever? You know. So, um, so it, it doesn't happen as often as it used to. Family Ties was undoubtedly uh, the hallmark of that sort of thing because I was in people's homes every week and I had the beard off stage, on stage. So those were, those were crazy days. A lot of, a lot of recognition in those days, of course. Yeah. Great TV series, you know, grand legacy there, sir. I'm going to, I'm going to say, um, Arnie, as far as both of them are concerned, I give it all to the writers, the people who people who put those words on paper. Uh, I spoke Stephen Keaton's lines. They were written for me by somebody else. When somebody says to me, you gave me the best advice as a father. I said, I didn't give you that advice. (laughs) Somebody else did. I just said the lines. And same thing when people say, uh, you know, Bert and and, and how wonderful Bert is. I said, look, I just, um, you know, I just say these wonderful lines. And of course, now in five, six and seven, I've had a part in writing some of them. You know, they, they turn over some of Bert's dialogue to me. Uh, that is to say, they may be written in a skeletal sense, and they say, "Would Bert say it this way?" Or how would you know what? How would Bert do this? And I, in a fun, funny de facto way, I've become an apologist, uh, 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 a, a defender, uh, and of, of Bert over time, and the uh, and the franchise itself. Uh, um, you know, really trying to best hold on to what's best about the past, uh, and. Uh, even as we propel ourselves into, you know, one new film after another. And as an actor, how do you keep the role of Bert interesting for yourself? I think it starts with every new script. Uh, What we've tried to do, particularly in five, six, and seven, is present Bert with more emotional hurdles. It's not just about the monsters. Uh, in in five, for example, we meet Jamie Kennedy, who appears on the scene and says, "Hello, I'm the son you never knew existed. Hi, Dad. You know, aren't you going to welcome me with open arms?" This said to a man who wants nothing to do with any other human being. 
So we tried to present him with that emotional challenge of what do you do with someone you didn't even know existed? It's like somebody coming to you today out of nowhere and saying, oh, by the way, I have the same DNA profile. I'm, I'm the child you thought you never had. It's like, holy crap. Um, so that was a hurdle for him. In, in, in six, we tried to deal with Bert's, uh, Bert's mortality. Uh, Bert having to uh, think about the fact that uh, he, he had been infused with his graboid venom and could very much die. What would the world, can, can he imagine a world without Bert Gummer? And in this, in the seventh one, and it may surprise you to hear, I haven't even seen this yet. Oh. In the seventh one, uh, the idea was to present him with, I, we wanted, I wanted to bring a woman back into, into the film. Uh, people have been saying for all these years, come on, can't you get back together with Heather? What about Reba McIntyre? All this sort of thing. Well, Reba McIntyre hasn't wanted to be a part of it. I have nothing against, I would love to be with Reba McIntyre again. I would love to be reunited with Heather. Uh, it just hasn't happened. She, she wasn't interested and that's fine. So we haven't dealt with that. So after all this time, I said, it isn't about time we dealt with a woman. And, um, and that really makes him nervous. Bert does not deal with emotions. Bert does not deal with touchy-feely. And to have someone come in and basically look at him and say, you know, you're living totally the wrong lifestyle. This is, this is just so wrong for you. A woman who, well, sometimes I think after more than 35 years of marriage, that a woman's job is to challenge a man. <laughs> I mean, that's just <laughs> the job of a woman is to say, why are you doing it that way? You know, uh, you sure you want to do that? You know, so, uh, that's all I've, you know, I haven't had to make a decision in over 35 years. They're all made for me. <laughs> and so we decided to, we wanted to put a woman in next to Bert who would treat him that way, who had absolutely no respect for him, no fear of him. Like other people are like, no, that's Bert Gummer. It's like, I'll handle him. You know, <laughs> just a really nice human being who's like, who's unafraid, who's like, not a problem. He's just a guy and who challenges his, his whole lifestyle, who says, you shouldn't be doing it this way. Are you sure you want to do this this way? So we thought that would be fun. So over time, what's kept me fresh is what, challenge, what interior challenges can we, prevent, can we present to Bert as well as his exterior challenges? It's always going to be about the monsters. We're never letting that go. But what story also runs through it where we challenge him personally and emotionally make him take him out of his safe zone if, if so to speak and probably your biggest stretch happened in part four you know where yes. it was an outside of the box idea with a western and a period piece and you were Hiram Gummer instead of Burt Gummer uh, do you did you have kind of a preference between Hiram's more prissy nature or Burt's survivalist abrasiveness what I, I loved, I loved Hiram because of the changes he went through in the course of that film. He came in snobbishly wanting nothing to do with any of these filthy people who lived out West. He was, he was urban. He was Philadelphia. He wanted nothing to do with the wild West. And he, he just wanted to, he had inherited a mine. He wanted to make his money and he wanted to go home. And he wanted to just keep the money rolling in. He came out there because there was a problem because the, the mine was non-functioning. So uh, I, but I, by the end of that film, 
He had come to love these people, appreciate them, and fight alongside of them. And so what interests me the most was that great arc he took as a character, starting in one place and ending up in another. That was the great, the greatest part of the fun for me in that in, in, in Tremors 4, starting in one place and ending up in, in, in quite a different place. And I love period pieces. I always think, oh, I want to be in one of those lovely British PBS things when they, you know, they do, they do period pieces so well. And so I love traveling back in time. How did people talk? How did people dress? What did they eat? What was the environment like? I love going back in time. That's one of the fun pieces of being an actor. And so in some cases, that was definitely one of my favorites, just for that, that reason. I had heard something that I read, and I wondered if you could confirm or bust this rumor, was that uh, you were playing Bert's great-grandfather. I read that you actually want to play Bert's great-grandmother. Is that accurate? I absolutely did. That was an idea that was quickly shot down <laughs> by the powers that be. And let me explain. Um, I thought it would be fun and just so terribly ironic if I, I, I thought of Bert's great-grandfather as this um, diminutive little man, almost dwarfish, who had sent out to the East Coast to get a mail-order bride, you know, and, and he just, he was this kind of wimpy little little guy who was bookish and, and strange and, 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 and this interior world. And off the stagecoach comes this mail order bride who happens to be six feet, three inches tall, uh, this one tough uh, ass kicking woman. And that Bert got his tough side from the maternal, uh, the maternal strain as opposed to the paternal strain that the father was actually like a couple feet shorter than the great than the great than the great grandmother, <laughs> and that I also, just as an actor, I always love to be as far afield as possible. The play, you know, I, I I wanted to be Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie, but to seriously play the role of a woman, not to make fun of it, but to I you know wanted the wig and wanted the makeup and wanted the dresses and wanted to be this kick-ass female and think, oh, how weird is this that Bert, Bert got that tough side from the female side. And it just visually, the idea of this really tall woman with this really short man, I thought was fun. <laughs> anyway, I don't, I think that was way too much for them. They, 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 were, <laughs> they were already stretching by going into a, you know, into the 1890s. So that was plenty, you know, and uh, I still regret that in a way because there have been a couple of times in the past where I have uh, played females. In uh, uh, my, uh, my Broadway debut was as a, uh, was as a transvestite in a, in a play about homosexuals in Nazi Germany, of all things, a play called Bent. That was my Broadway debut, dressed as a woman, uh, swinging on a trapeze and sing, singing a song in Berlin in 1936. Go figure that one out. <laughs> Uh, but I've always enjoyed just going as far afield as possible. I thought if I was a Japanese kabuki entertainer, I would love to play the women, you know, just because you just have to be so different. You have to adopt a whole different. I just I just love going far afield. As I said, you know, I've always loved Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie and things like that, where he wasn't he wasn't making fun of a woman. He wanted to 
He wanted everybody to believe they were a woman. I wanted to do the same thing in Tremors 4, but wisely or unwisely, they said, nah, we're not going to let you do that. <laughs> now, play your grand, great-grandfather. That'll be enough. Thank you. One more question I have looking back on the history of Tremors is Tremors 4 came right after the Tremors TV series in 2003 right. that I actually really enjoyed. I wondered what your reflections were of that series. The series did not go well. The series was not a marriage made in heaven. Uh, it was, let's say, the first series of uh, the first series that uh, the original Tremors creators were, were making outside of the films themselves. So it was their first, I think their first big venture into television. Uh, we were with the, with the sci-fi, the old sci-fi channel, which has since reinvented itself. There are a whole different set of people in charge. And it's not even the same network. Um, what I saw, and I think what these people with the original original originators of Tremors saw was putting these people in, um, putting these people in, um, in perfection Nevada and um, having them develop in this community, living with graboids and things like this and, and having them develop more as characters. What we eventually found is that a sci-fi wanted something very different. They literally wanted a new monster a week. They, and it's like, oh my God, we just, as is evidenced by what we did in five, six, and seven, I was more, we were all more interested in developing these characters. I mean, what does, does Bert try to find love online? Uh, you know, that sort of thing, <laughs> this lonely, goofy guy, what is his, what is his private life? Well, let's explore these characters and open that up. They didn't want anything. They wanted a monster every week, a new monster, and they called it Mixmaster, where all these genes got mixed up and all that sort of thing. And so uh, that it was not, there was somebody who was producing at the line producer who did not get along well with the original writers. So there were, <sighs> there were a lot of fights and there were a lot of things that weren't working. And uh, the plug was finally pulled. And I think people were a little sorry about it, but then again, not too sorry because it was not working well. It was not, it, people were personally very unhappy, you know? Sorry to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was not a great, it was not a great marriage. Let's just put it that way. All right, so let's focus now on Shrieker Island, your seventh filmatic outing for Tremors. Uh, you know, it's been 30 years. Was there ever a time coming up to this that you thought you were just overplaying Burt Gummer and didn't want to return? Never a time that I didn't want to return. I always thought it was over, particularly after four. It was 13 years, mind you, between four and five. So I... Nothing led me to believe it wasn't over. And I thought, great, we have a quartet. We've got four of them. How nice. Uh, a nice ending. We've done, the, we've done the real thing. We've taken a little further. And then we've done a prequel. Perfect place to end. Uh, go on and do other things. 13 years later, uh, a producer from Universal Home Entertainment, Patty Jackson, came to me and said, we're back on. Uh, we, I've wanted to do this all these years. Uh, I love it. I love it. I never wanted to let go of it. Uh, there are certain people at Universal who wouldn't, who didn't want, who were finished with it. They didn't want to do this, but now we have some new people who've come in who've said, 
okay, we'll give it another try. Uh, and she had fought for it for all these years and lost and lost and lost. And 13 years later, comes back and says, we want you guys back again. No one was more surprised than I was and delighted because I've always loved Bert. People ask me, did you really want to be the star? I said, not necessarily. I always saw him as a, as a ancillary character. There was Val, there was Earl. Bert was there, the kind of crazy guy on the, on the side and, you know, comes in and says something, everybody rolls their eyes. Um, but an interesting and fascinating character, but never the main character. I simply wound up in some ways as the main character because everybody else left. Uh, Kevin Bacon did not want to do a Tremors 2. Fred Ward did not want to do a Tremors 3. Reba didn't care to do any of them. Uh, and so uh, I think all of them were approached at various times. And I was the, uh, I was the last man standing because I kept saying, if you guys are going to write scripts for Burt Gummer, I love Burt Gummer. I'm coming. I don't care who's there. I will come back for Burt Gummer. And that's exactly what happened. So you might call Michael Gross a survivalist as well as Burt. And uh, I always thought Burt should be on the fringes. Once, you know, in the, t- in the television film, um, somebody had said, let's do a film and we'll call it, we'll, call, or we'll do a television series and call it Burt's Basement. You know, it's all takes place. It's, it's all about Burt's compound. And I said, Burt should not be the main character. I said, he functions best when he's surrounded by normal human beings. I said, you've got to have, it's like, I would say, I would say like the Cunningham family in Happy Days. Uh, You've got this nice normal family, in walks the Fonz, in walks Fonzie. And he's sort of outrageous because the Cunninghams are so normal. And I said, Bert works best when surrounded by normal people, even as quirky as Val and Earl. They were the normal people and Bert was always the one who's a little out there. And so I, I never considered him, I never considered his place to be at the, at the center of things. It's just the way it turned out. And I, I agree with you that one of the great things about Tremors the whole way through has always been the sense of community and the people around that create the ensemble. And in Shrieker Island, you've got a wonderful cast with John Hader and Richard Brake, one of my favorite character actors, Jackie Richard's Cruz. Great. Jackie. From- Orange is the New Black. What was it like to work with this cast? Well, people ask me how I how I keep my energy up and how I'm refreshed playing Bert yet again. And my answer always is the writing and the cast. The people they bring in, my, my colleagues keep it fresh for me. Uh, I don't, it's hard some days to manufacture it yourself. I'm getting to be an old man. And yet I surround myself with these new and interesting and fun people and I have a great time. So, um, you know, whenever I get lost on stage or on on camera, the way to keep alive is to look into the other characters' eyes, you know, that's how I find myself. Uh, And so um, uh, it was, I had a great time. I've had a great time with all these people. And one of the things I've always loved about Tremors and, uh, and this is something that I think still mean, particularly means a lot in this day of a political d- division. Uh, 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 the way people are so, so taking sides, even in a pandemic, is that tremors can teach you that people who are on 
opposite sides of the spectrum. People would never be friends in a million years. People would never speak to each other under normal circumstances can come together to fight a common foe. It's one of the things I've always loved about tremors. One of the rules of tremors, if we have a Bible, is that Bert never, you'll never find this, intentionally turns his gun on another human being. Now, there may be a case he's startled from behind and turns around, but he never, but if he sees this human being, he drops it. Uh, we don't shoot other people in tremors. We don't, we don't take out other human beings. We take out monsters. In that respect, I think tremors shows us how well people, different people, can and should work together against a common foe. How it's more important to stick together, you get a lot more done working with people who are not like you. That's where the fresh ideas come from, right? People who are, who are not thinking the way you are. So um, I think it's still very family, family friendly for that reason, apart from maybe some of the language people might object to from here to there. I know people who to this day don't let their kids call them ass blasters. They say, <laughs> oh no, they're butt blasters. You have to say butt blasters. You can't say ash blasters. <laughs> there are people who won't let their children say that word. Uh, it's so cute. Um, oh yeah, what I think is, is great is it's still very family friendly. We don't kill other people. If there's a body count, it's because the monster killed somebody. Not, we, don't, we don't go to war against each other in this. As human beings, we are allies uh, against this common foe. And I think for that reason, it's very much in the, in the feeling of the, the, 40, uh, the 50s, if you will, a good old fashioned monster movie, a good old family friendly monster movie. And to that point, uh, in Shrieker Island, you and Richard Brake go toe to toe on several occasions. And Bert is always trying to bridge the gap, always trying to say, let's work together. Uh, the Richard Brake's character, not so much kind of going a little Colonel Kurtz there. Yeah. Uh, but what was it like to have those scenes where you did go toe to toe to see, you know, really the, the masculinity and the combat, the emotional the, combativeness, the testosterone. Yes. <laughs> Well, of course, Richard, Richard was just magnificent. You know, he's, he was wonderful and, you know, brought all that intensity to things, that quiet, weird thing he did. And, um, and uh, Bert loved somebody like that, you know, because I think, you know, Bert ultimately knows there are bigger things to war against than other human beings. So Bert tries his damnest to educate the fools that surround him. Richard Brake, of course, not being not just a little nasty, but just plain foolish. And it was, he was, you'll see right up until the very, up until the very moment, Bert is trying to save this man. Bert doesn't want to hurt this man. Bert wants all of them to survive. And, and for this man, his, his, his failure to listen stands in the way of his, of his getting things right. You know, uh, Bert doesn't want to fight. He wants to fight the, the monsters and just get everybody lined up and working together. And he, what he hates most, I think, is um, obstinacy and, 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 and ignorance of people who fail to listen. Um, you know, uh, it's, yeah, people, who, people who, who mess up. 
you know, he wants he's he wants he wants people to be as prepared as he is. And that's often that's often a very high bar, I admit. In Shrieker Island, one of the things about Tremors is there seems to be a series of sidekick characters among the ensembles. And for five and six, you had Jamie Kennedy in that role. And in this one, it's John Heater. And I wondered how was that energy as an actor different than Jamie Kennedy's? Well, first of all, I think he's younger than Jamie by, by, you know, I don't know how far, I don't know how old John is, but young, he appears younger and anyway. And, and so there was a, uh, J- both Jamie and, and John brought a lot of energy to things, but there was a kind of uh, Jamie out of the world of, uh, uh, of, of, of stand-up comedy and things like that was very often ready to, 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 to riff, you know, to go off on, on, t- on tangents as you would. It's like, uh, you know, reacting to a crowd and things like that. Uh, John was a little more contained, but still, ready to ad lib and go different directions and things like that. Um, what renews me again is the, is, is the energy of different people. So I just, uh, I have to, f- you, be, you, you, you feel each other out uh, in those first days. Who is this person? You go out to dinner with them. You, you talk with them. You chat about things other than the script. Naturally you talk about the script, but um, you try to find out who they are and how they operate. Um, I operated in some ways very differently uh, as, as, as an actor playing Bert because I tend with Bert not to ad lib because he's so specific in the way he speaks, his tech talk, his, he, there's absolutely no emotion. Uh, you know, it's all technical and factual and, and precise and says he, he's not a man you know, he can go off on a rant sometimes when he's really needs to, but basically says what he has to say and not a lot of excess, you know, unless he's ranting about something that's really aggrieved him. Uh, but uh, so uh, somebody asked me recently, would I participate in an interview as Bert? And I said, I can't do that. I said, because Bert for me takes a couple of drafts. Uh, when we start writing his dialogue, when I start refining his dialogue, um, I need some time to think about it because Bert doesn't speak the way I do. And I said, I'm afraid I'll get it wrong and I won't sound like Bert. So I don't want to. So while other actors, uh, particularly Jamie, would want to add a little, a little bit, I could do that to a degree, but not very much because I was afraid of getting it wrong as Bert because Bert, to me, takes a lot of work. He has a very specific tone and a very, the way he approaches things. And uh, so it's not easy for me to just riff on him. As long as I've been doing him, I still, he's very different and very strange and very eccentric. (laughs) And I can't just adopt that at a moment's notice. I need to do several drafts of a script and say, now that's the way Bert would say that line. That's, that's the wording. That's the emphasis. That's, that's that. Not to say I can't, you know, don't react in the moment with working with another actor, but those, I, I appreciate good writing. I always have. And so when the words finally get put down on paper, I always think I'm going to do a worse, a worse job than, than the writer did, who, who spent time and energy looking over it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's like doing Shakespeare and saying, I can't quite get it. Who wrote this shit? It's like, no, just try, <laughs> try to get his version, please, if you don't mind. You know, try to put yourself in his world as opposed to changing Shakespeare to fit your world. 
So uh, it's one of the things I always felt about family ties. I just said the lines. There was very little ad-libbing on family ties. The writers were so good. You didn't want to F with it. You didn't want to mess with it. It was, you just, they said, do you ad-libbing? I said, no, those guys wrote and rewrote and they got it perfect. And that's the way we said it. Now, just for our audience here, I want to ask you some questions that are spoilers for Shrieker Island. So people who have not seen Shrieker Island yet, go out, watch the movie, stop watching this interview because it will ruin your experience. I, I have to say, I had some really big moments watching this film. So that said... Thanks I, for that warning. Thanks for that warning. It's a good idea. Yes, leave the room. Plug your ears. If you lip read, get the hell out. <laughs> so I was I was sad and shocked to watch in Shrieker Island that it's Burt Gummer's last Graboid fight. Was it always the plan that this would be your last Tremors movie? No. Late in one of our drafts of doing this, I think it was the fir first the director, uh, Don Michael Paul, who said, have you ever considered how, what an emotional gut punch it would be if Bert doesn't make it? And I went, no, I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, yeah, I, I can appreciate what a gut punch that would be, but I hadn't thought of this being the last one. Well, we threw that idea around a little bit and said, well, let's not dismiss it out of hand. When we filmed the film, we filmed it two different ways. Bert surviving and Bert not surviving. So it was actually, we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know how it was going to end until it got in the editing room and everybody fell in love with this huge, mournful uh, demise. And uh, they, I was called by the producers and said, Michael, we're thinking of taking him out. How would you feel about that? And I said, well, I thought we were over at Tremors 4. <laughs> so we've got three more films out of this. And I said, um, there's a part of me that will miss it. And I said, you're going to hurt an awful lot of fans. You're going to destroy some people here. But I could live with it. Now, the compromise was finally... Um, uh, that it would be somewhat open-ended. So as we see him mourning, you never see the corpse. You don't know, has he been injured? Badly injured? Is he under a, a bunch of rubble? Is he in a daze and simply walks away? Is he in a coma somewhere and doesn't awake for that coma, from that coma until the next tremors is made? Um, so the door, I will have to say is open for, an, for a, another sequel. And uh, I've already suggested to them that if that sequel should come, we should start with Bert in a full body cast in a hospital bed. And he wakes up from a coma after three years on machines and somebody whispers in his ear, Bert, you gotta get up, we have graboids. <laughs> you know, and that's the first shit I hear after three years, you know, so, uh, and, you know, maybe he fights the next fight in a motorized wheelchair, you know, with rocket propelled grenades on the side that he can set, you know, he could just sit there and push buttons and leave an oil slick behind his wheelchair, like, uh, like 007's car, you know? And so it's the, you know, the Burt mobile. Uh, so I, 
I don't know if that's ever going to happen. When it was suggested to me as a paranoid actor, when it was suggested to me early on, what if Bert met his demise? I thought to myself, ah, Universal's getting tired of this, uh, tired of this. They want to pull the plug. You know, that was just, they're, they're, they're coming to the end of it themselves. That being said, money drives sequels. If Tremor 7 does a huge business, it's going to, it's going to happen. They're going to go, we got to make another one. This, the, 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 the response is so incredible. We'd be stupid not to do it. So uh, the doors open because we don't see a corpse. We don't see the remains. That's all I can say, but I'm willing, I'm, I'm willing to live without a Tremors 8. I would be satisfied because I think we've taken him on a lot of interesting emotional journeys. And at the moment, I can't think of an interesting, uh, an interesting, uh, interesting enough story. I knew from the beginning of this one that we wanted a woman challenging him, challenging his way of life and saying, why the hell are you doing things this way? This is totally wrong for you. This is not, you know, you're being stupid. Uh, I wanted the, I wanted that specifically to be from a woman and I wanted it to be a, ch a challenge that no man would ever say to Bert, but women like they, their job is like to rule our lives, you know? And so I wanted it to be a female say, you're not doing this right. You, you just, you're, you're, you're approaching life all wrong, mister. And uh, we thought that would be a fun, a, a fun thing for him to, to come from a woman who was like totally unafraid of him. <laughs> Yeah, it really did lead to a dynamic. I will admit that the door you say is open. I sat there in disbelief. I'm like, well, he's broken out of a graboid before. Is that going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> is he off to the side? I didn't believe it until I saw the rocks on the grave <laughs> that, yeah. that the Bert was gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we, we, I like to think of that as just a memorial as opposed to they don't have a corpse there, you know? Yeah, and that you said you haven't seen the movie yet. Did you know about the montage after that leads into the end credits? No, no, I don't. Oh, uh, oh, oh, good. Okay, good. I know there's some great there's some great extras on the DVD. Among other things, I was totally surprised and frankly, very, very much touched by a, a, a documentary that is an extra about Bert, thirty years of Bert. Uh, Kevin Bacon is there. Um, uh, Charlotte Stewart, who played Nancy, uh, Ar Ariana Richards, who played, you know, the daughter, uh, um, and, you know, the pogo stick, <laughs> um, and uh, Jamie Kennedy. Uh, but it, I was so touched by it, saying, what was it like to work with Michael Gross? And what did you, how was it? And, what, you know, and it was like, holy shit, you guys really did this? That's so sweet. And um, they had me... Uh, some off moments, off camera moments, or going off to Thailand. They came to, they were at, I stepped out of the limo at L, LAX and there was a camera crew waiting and saying, well, we want you carrying your bags to the ticket counter. You're going to Thailand. And, you know, I, I waved from the escalator going up to the, uh, the boarding area and all this stuff. And I said, wow, you guys, what a, what a sweet uh, tribute that was. So that's part of the extras, part of the extras as well as, uh, a look back at some of the 30 greatest moments from all seven films and uh, and uh, a little story about uh, 
walking you through the different monsters. That's another extra that's on the piece and how these monks, monsters function, the biology and the, you know, and all that sort of thing. So uh, there's some great extras there. And I, I, as I said, I was very much touched when they first showed me this, this great documentary of everybody saying how great I was to work with. And that first thing I went to Universal, I said, can I use this in my, my memorial service? <laughs> I said, because it's making me sound really good and really talented. So I said, I've got to use this in my service. <laughs> no, and they've released a couple of those online. I've looked at it. And being Trooper's huh. 30th anniversary, the 30-minute documentary that just- I just noticed that the, the other day. I was blown away. It's like, did you go, why did you guys tell me that about that? I've only watched part of it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of great stuff on the Tremor Shrieker Island disc and the just surrounding tremors. It's like, pardon the pun, it's an upswell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And I mean, the fact that I'm running for president too is just the icing on the cake. I'm having such such fun with that. It's just such goofy, nutty fun, and yeah, it's just it's a after 30 years, it's a great homage to the whole to the whole franchise. Michael, our time is almost up, but before we go, I have to ask you one question Please about do. a film that's a guilty pleasure of mine. Oh, wait, 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 is Vanilla Ice in it? Vanilla Ice is <laughs> in it. <laughs> and that film is almost also 30 years old, read yeah. one year behind Tremors. Uh, what are your reflections when you look back at Cool as Ice? First of all, I, uh, you know, it was somebody offering me uh, a series, uh, 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 a feature film, which I thought was fun. I, I was not a follower of Vanilla Ice. Um, he was he was actually quite a nice guy. I don't know how much acting experience he had, but he was up for anything and really, really a decent guy. You know, I just think, oh God, he's this kind of rocker thing. Is he going to be an asshole? I mean, I had to ask, you know, you wonder, you don't know who's going to walk on that. He was a very nice guy. He was really sweet and, and and humble. He was a guy who was obviously enjoying his success, but he wasn't wallowing in it like an idiot, or it didn't seem to me. Uh, I love the young lady who played my daughter. Uh, uh, I had a good time. It was one of those things that was, some people have said over the years, was so bad it was good. <laughs> and yet there are some people who, uh, and, I, and I get it, a lot of the movie was about, you know, riding around on a motorcycle. And, uh, you know, a little contrived and things like that. I, I've forgotten a lot of it since I haven't seen it in so long. But my, my, it's funny you should mention it because I thought of Vanilla immediately because my son recently came to me and said, I have a guy who's the neatest, most interesting, intelligent guy. And he's obsessed with cool Zeiss. <laughs> meeting you would be like meeting the Dalai Lama. And I said, seriously? He said, I've got to introduce him to you. He would like faint if he met you. And I said, and he's normal. He takes his meds and everything. And he says, yeah, he's actually a really interesting, bright guy. But he's obsessed with, with cool as ice. And I said, well, uh, I don't know. Sure, I'd be happy to meet your friend. So that's why I thought of that immediately. Because this two days ago, my son said, you got to meet this guy. He's obsessed with cool as ice. <laughs> Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time. And I really have enjoyed talking to you. Thank you very much, honey. And thank you to everyone who's listened to this and watched this video on YouTube. If you're listening to this on our podcast feed, thank you for subscribing. You can see a full video version of this on YouTube. And if you're watching this on YouTube, 
Please hit subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. And thanks to Universal Pictures and Michael Gross. Just a reminder, at nowplayingpodcast.com, you can hear Stuart, Jacob, and I review all seven Tremors movies. Our review of Shrieker Island will be coming out soon, but you can lead up to it with a look back at the first six installments at nowplayingpodcast.com, where we have over a thousand in-depth movie reviews. Shrieker Island is out on Netflix right now for you to watch, as well as Blu-ray and video on demand. So we hope you'll check it out, and then come listen to us on Tuesday for our review. Talk to you then. We killed him. We killed it. Fuck you! <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. Now, this is low. We have got to set our sights a little bit higher. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Nobody handles garbage better than we do. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. See, we plan ahead. That way we don't do anything right now. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. Let's be honest, you've got a lot of bread in your ledger. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. Is there some higher force at work here? I mean, are we asking too much of life? You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. I would venture that it matters not how you spend your money, but how you spend your life. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. I mean, we could make some real money on this thing. We could get in People Magazine. You can also join the Now Playing patron campaign through our Podbean site. We don't have much of a budget, you know. It's not a high priority in Washington, okay? Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. You have asked for some uh, <laughs> unusual things. Find the details on our website. I bet you made a fortune off this. Well, somebody did. Sure wasn't me. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. Lead, follow, or get out of my way. I'll lead it's not an option. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Last check. How many Twitter followers did you have, huh? Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. You're underachieving big time, my man. You should be a global brand. Come on. Associate produced by Jason Latham. There he is. Huh? The man, the myth, the legend. Now playing is edited by Stephen, Heath, and Arnie. Doing what I can with what I got. Now playing credits read by Brock. 
The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. I feel I've not been privy to critical, most needful information. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. But I do not dwell on that over which I have no control. That's great. I have to do all the dwelling. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. You've been flipping off the feds longer than Wesley Snipes. It's got to be a record. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2020, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Your little jungle boat ride is over, mister. Time to fish or cut bait.